0: Are you ready to turn your potential into performance? If so, you're in the right place. This is the Coach Brew Show, and here's your host, John Brewbaker. And welcome to the Coach Brew Podcast. Uh, we are joined by a very special guest that uh, I can't wait to introduce to you. Uh, I think he is widely misunderstood and often uh, misrepresented, and this is an opportunity for you to get to know the real JB. I'll put it to you that way. Um, I've got with me today uh, Coach Jason Brown. If that name is familiar to you, it is uh, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, reason number one, you probably saw him on Netflix uh, season three of Last Chance You, which is uh, the Netflix series documenting uh, uh, life in the uh, the kind of the back roads of junior college football. Uh, his name also might be familiar to you from this book, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later, which is a fantastic read that I've, uh, I sat down, I read it cover to cover in one evening. Uh, we'll dive into a little bit more about the book as we go here. Uh, JB, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, I appreciate you having me, bro. Appreciate it. Hey, great connecting with you on here. Uh, long overdue. I uh, I meant that what I said. I think you're widely misunderstood. And uh, I also think that you don't care. And there's some real uh, freedom, joy, uh, beauty to not caring about that. And the, uh, the reason that this is attractive to me and I'm fascinated by it is you kind of look at uh, polarizing figures uh, in the world anywhere. But the example I would give you is like Howard Stern. Like Howard Stern, it didn't take him too long to figure out that um, having haters equals having ratings and and getting bigger and bigger ratings. And that's something I figured out, uh, you know, too far into my career. Like, Like don't be vanilla, be polarizing, have an opinion, don't shy away from it. You know, plant your flag in the ground, you know, with what you believe. And it was interesting. That's when I watched, uh, you know, the popularity of my brand grow. It's something that I don't think you needed to learn. Uh, It's uh, just who you are. You're, like, fearlessly authentic. And, uh, you know, you come from a place of caring about your players and student athletes. But I think some of that is lost on the general public in the the translation or the approach that they don't get because they – like they don't have a coach's mindset, you know? Um, so I would just uh, – just the formal introduction would be Jason Brown uh, is a turnaround king when it comes to coaching jobs, you know, take a downtrodden program and build it up. Uh, in less than, less than two years, he took uh, Independence Community College in Kansas and they finished up uh, ranked number five in the country in 2017 – uh, after a 9-2 season that, that featured wins over uh, some perennial powers, Garden City, uh, Northeast Oklahoma, A&M. They both finished, I think, number 13, number 8, respectively, in the rankings and uh, in the final top 20 poll. So, you know, I don't want to discuss the 2018 season uh, with you or with anyone listening because I don't want to give away anything that happened in season four of uh, Last Chance you which drops on Netflix this Friday night, July 19th. I want to talk about you. And I want to talk about, you know, why you think you're kind of misunderstood and your experience at Independence, just your experience in the, in your journey as a college football coach. And then also now your your new journey and the new chapter, which is uh, your book, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later. So, uh, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself. Your yeah. Really unique, real unique background.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, uh... It is, I think, uh, compared, comparable to many other people I know. I think it's a little unique. Um, you know, it's just it's just uh, I'm a product of my environment. People don't realize what that means, I don't believe. Uh, I told people on the show, you know, I'm a chameleon. I think I can walk uh, with all walks of life. I think I can go anywhere, uh, white, black, or green neighborhood, and and uh, and get and fit, fit in and not get uh, looked at crazy. And so... Uh, you know when I was young, I was a knucklehead i used to uh i used to warrant being looked at crazy and i used to uh, uh egg it on and now you know i'm growing up now but I think people still recognize i think real recognizes real is kind of the term we use growing up yep and uh I think that goes for you know business moguls to football coaches so I think it's Church. uh it's uh it's a it's a shared you know it's all it's all one it's a one tongue language i use in my book and i think everybody understands that but uh you know these people judge you man when you're so called a public figure um i'm learning this public figure thing man and 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 let me tell you you guys can have the public figure thing <laughs> I, i'm doing, I'm it's crazy i i have a uh a renewed uh respect for actors and uh, entertainers and comedians these people that are in the limelight because i see why they are who they are and how, act how they act. i used to hate them i used to be like oh these guys are bougie and uh you know a little reclusive yeah. yeah reclusive and they just you know they thought they were too good for the world and that's just growing up in la you know you would see these people uh, just walking down the street in, in in la randomly and and uh you and you know when you're young you look up to some of these people whether it's a football star, basketball actor you try to say something they look at you sideways you know um
0: well let's 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 backtrack for a second you didn't just grow up in LA yeah yeah. you were the the only white kid that grew up in Compton right tell us a little bit about what that's like
1: yeah uh, anyone
0: can wrap their mind around that if they haven't been there done that
1: yeah see when I grew up there it was all black um Turning slightly hispanic, uh, when my dad grew up there, it was all white um, and the demographic changed quite you know basically overnight, so it was a cow town, believe it or not um, you know carriage and buggy back in uh you know forties fifties thirties forties fifties, so it started to change probably right after right before the watch riots and then it changed right after that and then uh, and then it became what I grew up in the eighties as um, probably the most uh you know dangerous town in america so yeah. for, probably for all my uh youth but um you know yeah i was the only white guy literally uh my grandparents lived on a street called palmer wh- which is in Luders park in compton and and uh, uh it was all blood neighborhood and um you know you, you kind of stayed in those uh, in that vicinity you didn't cross over certain streets uh, it, it changed colors and uh people from, from where I'm from know what I mean. And, and it's just, uh, it was, uh,
0: so what you mean is when you say change color, you don't mean skin tone. You mean like bloods versus crips, blue versus red, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, We we went from a red area to a blue area within a, a half a mile. So, um, you know, those are just things that, that, uh, that, you know, you had to, you had to get accustomed to. And, uh, and like I said, it was a product of my environment. You either, you either, uh, Stomp or get stomped. And, uh, you know, you, you're going to, you know, like I said in the book, big fish eat little fish, and you better be uh, the big fish or you're going to get ate up. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things, though. I think, uh, like real recognizes real, I think respect earns, respect given. And I think that's how it was. I never had an issue growing up. Um, we all were, you know, we'd have our normal uh, friendly fights, just, uh, dis- you know, had arguments or disagreements. But at the next day, you're playing, uh, you know, you're playing uh, football together in the park. So, it was just one of those deals. Um,
0: yeah, you had mentioned uh, being a chameleon, and kind of being able to move in any crowd and talk to anybody. And I think um, you know a lot of people would associate being a chameleon, like air quotes, chameleon, uh, with kind of a negative connotation. And I don't really look at it that way. I look at it as like your ability to uh, kind of flex your communication style. You know, back then it was out of survival, I imagine, and today, you know, that served you well because you can go into any home and recruit any type of kid and be highly relatable. Is that accurate, Jason?
1: Yeah, it's dead on, dead on, um, 100%. I mean, that's just what it is. My my environment, my upbringing, I think, allowed me to be who I am and allowed me to do what I've done. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, allowed me to bring in probably the best uh, players junior college has ever seen, and, uh, you know, I think in the next after next year. Um, so, that, so you're talking season three and season four of the show, I expect we'll have at least 10 to 15 guys get drafted. So, I mean, think about that in a two year team. I mean, that's, that's probably, uh, you know, never been done even close. So, um, you know, it's just one of those deals that allowed me to walk in the house and it allowed me to talk to whoever, whether it was in the fifth ward or, uh, you know, third ward, Louisiana or fifth ward, Houston, or, uh, Wherever it was, we, we went in and, uh, or in Dallas, and we went in and got those kids. So it was a, it was a, uh, it was a good deal. It was, it, was, it was what it was supposed to be, and I'm, I would never change it.
0: So what do you, you think is your unique skill set that uh, has helped you become successful? Uh, you know, when you look at college recruiters, I'd put you, the talent you assembled up against anybody. That doesn't happen by accident. So what's that unique skill set, you think? um
1: I told people in the book too man I I say this and I believe it you got to have the it factor uh regardless if you're successful I think whatever you do uh Tom Brady had the it factor obviously Joe Montana you know uh Tony Romo didn't have the it factor he was probably a top five skill set guy of all time but never won a playoff game because he he don't have the it factor and I think coaching is the same I think you have to have the it factor I think you know the you know, Morgan Dean, Stanley, or whatever. I think the CEO of that has the it factor. I think uh, Bill Gates has the it factor. They have to have something um, in in order to um, be successful. So I think I had the it factor as a young coach, as a young person coming up. And I think that goes back to my upbringing and how I was raised and, uh, you know, the struggles and strife that I had to go through, uh, trials and tribulations, all that stuff that you go through, I think, growing up and where I grew up. I think it um, it's a learned trait and I think you learn it as you toughen your skin, so to speak. And so that's what I did my whole time, uh, you know, living in a car for 18 months at one point uh, getting ate up by ants at night. It was a, it made my skin, uh, skin tougher, literally. So, uh, you know, it's uh, those things allowed me to go get the best talent because I think the kids real recognize is real. And I think, Uh, they know that I'm genuine when I walk into a home. And, you know, the number one thing I tell kids, man, to be honest, um, you know, we could go 10-0 and 0, win a national championship. But if I don't graduate you, I failed you at the end of the day. And we, I'd rather go 0-10 and, and get you a scholarship. And, you know, yeah. um, we had 101 guys go Division One in three years, a national record, 40 power fives, you know, 40, 40 D1 kids in one year. Uh, all records with doing that with 200 kids on a team every year, and you divide that by two hundred. You divide our GPA. We had a two seven, which is the highest in the country, is for, for football playing JUCO. So yeah, um, you know most teams are only averaging in sixty to seventy kids because they want their GPAs to look high. I'm doing it with two hundred because I just feel that why not? Why short it? Why not? Why why screw a kid let's put them all in there? They're all part of the team because half the team helps us redshirt and helps our practice squad, and I want them to be a part of something. So when we won it all. Uh, I basically had almost 200 rings bought, and uh, not one kid, coach, or administrator paid for a ring. And uh, wow. and that's juco. Tell me another yeah. juco that did that. So
0: yeah, what? Um, let's go back to your upbringing for a minute here. Uh, you talk about your unique skill set, and you know, what I'd like to know is what's the the most important thing you've learned in your life, like from your upbringing, whether it was uh, you know from the streets you grew up on, or from your family, your parents, you know, someone who was influential. What's that one most important thing that you think served you well?
1: Uh, be who you are, man. Uh, be be honest and be who you are. Because I think uh, I learned from a long time ago, man. Growing up in Compton, this I I learned it at a at a, uh, at a wrecking place, man. As about eleven year old, um, I learned that uh, once you lie one time, you know what you have to do to cover up for that lie. You have to lie again. And that lie becomes another lie, and now you've lied, and then you can become a liar. And uh, I learned that, and it stuck with me forever. So, you know, once you lie one time, man, you're going to have to lie again to cover up for that lie. So you might as well not lie from the beginning. And I learned that um, as a youngster, man. Just be yourself, be true. And and the truth does hurt, though. You kind of got to go through that because I don't think, uh, especially today's players, uh, in my profession anyway, I don't believe they can understand the truth. I think they – they reject it. Uh, the ones that accepted it, the 101 kids that did accept it in the three years, um, they're all playing, and we'll get a lot of them will get drafted. A lot of them will get their college degrees and and uh, be better community members for that reason. But they, they accepted it and it took it on running, you know, head on. And uh, I tell them all the time, man, you know, the real world going to hit you guys in the mouth in about 18 months, and uh, you better uh, learn how to be on time, sit in the front, be attentive. Uh, learn how to play the game and and that's just what, what what to me what academics really is it's playing a game and uh yeah. you know people got people don't understand when I say that but hopefully they read the book and uh they'll see what I mean but it's a uh it's a true game and I think they have to play it because I don't believe this world's based on intellect and I think uh the good souls and out there are the ones that end up making it because they they only know what they know and don't know what they don't know, man. And some kids don't know how to spell cat if you said there was a C and a T in it. And yeah. uh, and unfortunate, you know, my job is to get them graduated and get them to sign an NFL contract and then let them let them let them buy their mom a house and do some things that they never would have think. And those guys have third, fourth grade reading level. But people don't yeah. realize that. But then you got these guys out there on YouTube and Flim raps and all these guys bashing me—they don't even know the, the the story, and they want to go out there and do that, but they have no idea what we do on a daily basis. So they are bottom feeders, and they, there's a bunch of those bottom feeders out there um, that won't tell you anything in your face, but they'll do it on on behind a keyboard. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: and that's one of those things. That, uh, one of the things I want to talk to you about today is uh, you know what you do or what you did on a day to day basis there. Uh, and let, let's start from the beginning. Tell us what you would you see when you first arrived arrived at Independence, Kansas, at Independence Community College, like what you inherited or should I say how little you inherited.
1: Um, the cupboard was bare to say the least. Uh, we, didn't have a weight room. Um, we didn't have a weight room. We didn't have a weight room. We didn't have a meeting room, a locker room, lockers. Uniforms, um, a a field that didn't have potholes in it, Um, you know, those things. It it was probably the least attractive junior college in America. We're the only school in our league that did not have a turf practice field or a turf playing field. Um, There was only two, it was only our, we're the only place that didn't have our own field. Like we had a share at a municipal stadium. Um, We had a yeah, those are the things that kind of make me tick man and and, and make me uh um, take those jobs and you know that the, the beauty of it is is doing something people say you couldn't do um, those are the things that make me uh, go after it even harder and uh, you know and I told them my my boss God rest her or God bless her soul tammy she she she'd say Rome wasn't built in a day and I told her this is a junior college Rome is built in a day um, because junior college. Um, you're as good as who you recruit and it's not about facilities and X's and O's it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's and will they believe in you and will they run through a wall for you whatever you if you told them that wall is made of titanium and but you can run through it and will they do it and uh those are the kids we recruited and they did they bought in and uh and And we built that place literally the first day I got there, we were tearing down bricks and and creating a coach's office. They never had coach's offices. So um, I wanted a staff continuity that they didn't have. And I wanted everybody together. And we ended up having the largest staff in America. We ended up getting, you know, shoot, near 17 guys all the years I was there uh, for support staff. So, um, you know, it was was quite a – it was quite daunting at times, but it was well worth it. I, mean, I think the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it is what you get out of it, and, and uh, that's the most rewarding thing um, when you do it yeah. yourself. And then you win, a, win, a, win the first bowl, bowl game in school history and graduate that many players. It's, 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 it allows you to sleep at night.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting watching uh, season three was um, – you know, I thought the institution did a fantastic job marketing – Uh, the opportunity to be on Netflix uh, more so than um, you know other organizations or institutions featured uh, on documentaries or TV series and it was it was was interesting just to see how you guys leverage that Um, so what I was wondering is what's one thing your program did either for the college or the town that you didn't expect like you just kind of didn't see this coming but it, it was a pleasant surprise what happened.
1: Well, I laughed because the marketing was also myself. Uh, we yep. didn't have a marketing director. Uh, he was God awful. Uh, he ended up leaving. Um, it was the worst marketing ploy we've seen. So me and Tammy, my boss, AD, she, we did everything. She was uh, great. Mm-hmm. And we did all the marketing uh, with it, along with some boosters in town who helped us do the online portion. Um, one of the guys used to work for Amazon, so he had an idea, obviously. Um, yep. And he was great. They were great, and uh, they they uh, they helped us run with that. I think it should have been a lot, lot bigger than it was, as far as the online portion. Uh, I just think the school didn't market it as well. And Tammy tried. We're trying to, you know, we wear a thousand hats, man. And you sure, know, sure.
0: And you're two people.
1: Yeah. Two people, and uh, we tried to split it up as best we could. But um, but you know, the 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 part about it is the town people. Um, 95% of them were great. There's 5% of the haters that, uh, that really it became 10% because they, they had these pseudo fake names that, so really Johnny was Johnny and Freddy, but it's really one guy. And he tried to make up two and tried to say there was 20 people. It was one of those deals we found out about. And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately you have those people out there and that's just, you know, they're online they're they're everywhere. They're bottom feeders. And, uh, you know, they're waiting for their 15 minutes of fame. And, uh, but for the most part, man, most part, the, the town helped us get a turf field. Um, like I was saying, they – Yeah, they, you,
0: started, you started a whole crowdfunding campaign yourself, right, for that field? Yeah,
1: yeah. So what happened was we, we, uh, we inherited a position, a job, that was probably the worst junior college in America facility-wise, infrastructure, uh, financially, so, so resourcefulness, all that um when I left there there was over 200 applicants um the day I resigned and everyone knew I was leaving um and it's probably a top five to ten job in America now um with you know I had like literally about seven Adidas uniforms brand new that'll that'll be good for three or four years you got uh
0: yeah you made that a good job for the next guy yeah Yeah. and then I got my buddy
1: the job so it's good
0: that's good what um so your, your time at Indy ended prematurely and probably not the way you exactly wanted it to, but tell me about a moment that made the whole experience worth it for you. Like if you could look back on this one moment and say it was all worth it for that.
1: You know, man, to be honest, the, the funnest time I had there was year one. And uh, year one was that there was an out-of-state limit on kids. Uh, we had to have, we had to have, uh, we can only have 20 out-of-state kids. So we had to have 63 made up our roster we only could have so we had to have 43 kansas kids so we recruited the hell out of kansas and to be honest the talent in kansas just isn't very good yeah okay we all agree they're probably the third worst state athletically uh in the union uh for football it's it's half because they don't have year-round football number one Mm -hmm. um they just like they don't have the the, the whatever you know oklahoma does year-round and they're right on the border and and, you know, have these – so they're facing that. Because there is some talent, decent talent in Kansas to just – they don't have the year-round support. So, you know, you go right into wrestling, basketball, or what have you, uh, track, whatever. So you kind of lose out there. And then the other part is um, when they changed the rule to unlimited out-of-state, I was hoping – I was, you know, optimistically speaking, I was thinking that the legislation high school in, in Kansas would change and they would maybe implement some type of year-round football that would make the, the state better. Yeah. And then, we could recruit the state harder than we did the last two years because when it became an out-of-state limit, no out-of-state limit, we were, all, we were gone. We were out of the state, and we were, over, you know, we're in Georgia, South Carolina, Detroit, everywhere. So, yeah. um, you know, I, the year one was uh, – yeah, Why that, was that so rewarding? With that structure, um, we had a great nucleus. We had a great nucleus. It was a culture-setting year. We, we set the culture – Um, We started off struggling, we lost the first game by one at home, and then, you know, we go to the Garden, who won the national champ, we lose by 10, Uh, we're fighting and scrapping, but we're, we're not there yet, obviously building the program, but then we, then we beat the four teams they haven't beaten 30 years in the same year in a row, and we went out, we went out probably playing as good as anybody in the country, I'd love to play Garden again at the end of that year, Um, and so. We go out and beat Coffeeville, our rival, for the first time in however long. Butler, Hutchison, back-to-back, uh, first time in 30 years uh, in Highland. So we go out on a win streak. Um, the culture set, and going into that offseason was, you know, we created what I call Dream U, and we, we we ran with it, and we were trending on Twitter, and we became a household name overnight with the Dream U slogan and and those things. And, um, you know – the. That was the funnest year. I don't know if if it's rewarding. I I guess the most rewarding is it it can be tied into every year as far as graduating the guys. I mean, that's just about. That's all I've ever been about is is getting guys graduated. And and you know the most rewarding thing as a coach in my career, uh, as a coach to this date, is I've never had a kid get kicked out of a four year when he leaves me. And that's unreal. Yeah, never gone to jail. He's never been kicked out of the program. I you know I got guys like Jeremy Pruitt and. All these coaches call and say, you know, your guys know how to sit in the front. They attack it. They're up at 5 a.m. They're never late. Um, th- these guys are th- th- by far the best junior college kids we have. And yeah. we sent out so many. Uh, you know, it, that, that's the thing that, that's, that's the most rewarding. I mean,
0: why, why not- is JUCO in and of itself? Like, to you, you're a JUCO guy, self-proclaimed JUCO guy. In your opinion, why is that the most rewarding level to be coaching at?
1: Um, you know, to be honest, uh JUCO is the most rewarding level is because the I believe the reward outweighs the risk at the end of the day. Um, you know, we're dealing with every bro we're dealing with broken kids, make no yeah. mistake about it. And our kids are broken. Uh we have to fix them. There's only so many guys that know how to fix them. Um we try to fix them and get them graduated. And you know, my thing is is wins and losses in junior college not mean anything to me i mean tomorrow you're after the show comes out friday on saturday nobody will care what our record was they'll all say who's the crazy bastard on the show because last year we won it all and you and you i've never been talked to in person or nobody's approached me and said you did a hell of a coaching job coach you went nine and two and you won your first bowl game how great are you nobody said that they said damn you're crazy as hell you know yep that's all they care about on that type of show. They don't care about wins and losses. And I don't think anyone – do you know who won the national championship in junior college last year? Couldn't tell you. See what I mean? Um, East Mississippi won it again. Um, First, you know, nobody's won it on the show, by the way. Um, But they won it last year, um, and they beat Garden City. uh, And no no kid even knows. No kid cares. They care about who wins the Alabama-Clemson game. That's what will be remembered, not the – junior college game. So my job is to get the kid, turn them into a, from a boy to a man, and teach them how to, you know, hopefully get a degree and not go work at McDonald's. And, and, and no offense to McDonald's, but, you know, our kids, we, we strive for greatness. So we want to make sure that they, they go get a degree nowadays, and that's important, yeah. and uh, see what they can do in the real world.
0: You, you had mentioned uh, people reaching out to you on social media after watching the show, and you're kind of a lightning rod. Uh, we both know it, you know, you got people who love you on this side and then you got people who hate you on the other side. And there's very, there's very few in the middle, you know, what, uh, and, and I've said since day one, since we connected and started emailing the talk, and talking, like, I just think that people you're misunderstood, you know, it's tough love. At the end of the day, you're coming at it from, you know, uh, the right place for the right reasons. What's something people seem to misunderstand about you, your haters,
1: this is, the, this is the way I define it, and I think people, if they see this, they need to understand. Go on my social media or any of my kids that played for me in 25 years of doing playing and coaching. Find me a player that bashed me on social media or even their parent. Find one that bashed me. Now, I'm talking about find me a kid who made it, did what we asked them to do, graduated. Not the kid that I cut for smoking weed and stealing at Walmart. The kids that actually made it and are in the NFL, the 22 that I have in the NFL, and the and the 220 in the Division One, why why aren't they talking about me in a bad way? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's funny how these haters that have no clue, they sell donuts at Dunkin' Donuts and they help nobody in life. Um, they uh, they they're the ones that are talking about, oh, he's a uh, crazy and he's so bad and well, let me film you for eight hours a day and then let me find out what you do and then come find out what I do every day that's not on the show. Yeah. Let me find out what's not on the show. And, you know, the, the 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 barbecues that we throw for our kids and the team bonding things we do and the, the the staff barbecues I have for my staff every day and week and just those things, you know, breakfast every morning for the staff. The little things that are taken for granted, people don't do. A lot of coaches don't do that correct? Okay.
0: You yeah i've always said there's nothing reality about reality tv there's very yeah. little reality in it so you know there's the real you and there's the you that people see and decide they're just going to arbitrarily comment on um yeah i got a weird question for you jb we're going to shift gears i'm going to get a little weird yeah. with you here yeah. if you could have a billboard with anything on it what would it be and why what would it say
1: uh um there's two people I trust, me and the other one ain't you. And that's just <laughs> uh, that's just how I, that's what yes. I was I was raised that way, man. And uh, and you know I don't mean you in particular, but Not I mean enough. you and everybody. I uh, you know never trust a kid, never trust. Uh, I'm just telling you, don't trust anyone because at the end of the day, um, that I now that I've become this public figure, man, I really found out that nobody is loyal. Uh, yeah. Football. Locker rooms used to be the most intimate back setting there is in sport. Nowadays, the kids want to go on social media and tell you what Coach Brown said in our meeting. And, and this kid cries, uh, you know, uh, spills sour grapes, and he's pissed about you saying this to him. And then he wants to tweet it out. And coaches do the same thing. And I just think – I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday he was an old coach. Been coaching thirty five years, uh, Division One guy, and he was like, "You gotta next time you go over do this, man. You gotta hire older coaches that get you because these young guys are just the same as the kids. They're worse, yeah, they're worse than the kids, and they're the enablers. And I had to fire more coaches for the fact that they didn't understand the difference between playing and coaching, and." they're not friends of these kids no more and they'll, they'll get ran over so fast and that's what happened and that's why we had a horrible nucleus this past year and and I think uh it was staff players alike and I think everybody went Hollywood and wanted to be on film and and cameras are uh they are hard on 18 19 25 year olds just telling absolutely. you, absolutely they can't handle it man
0: yeah. I mean, the camera might've been on all of you and it might've been going directly, you know, that, that film might've been going directly onto Netflix, but you know, yeah. everyone's on camera these days. It's just yep. a different type of camera. You know, it's, yep. it's these cameras on our yep. phones yep. and it's just a different animal today. Every um, day an
1: interview. Every day's an interview. Yeah.
0: And you talk about that in the book. Yep. Hate me now, love me later. Yeah. Um, which is available wherever books are sold, folks, and on Amazon, go get your copy. Um, let's talk a little bit about that project because there are a lot of people I talk to, a lot of people I come in contact with that I think, and I tell them, you ought to write a book. Like, you, like a life well lived deserves to be well written about. You got a fascinating story, you ought to write a book. You're one of the few people that I've told that to who's actually gone and done it and did it in very short order, very quickly. Yeah. Like it feels like the day after I told you that <laughs> this arrived in my mailbox, dude. Yeah,
1: no doubt. No doubt. that so, It seems bad. You were telling, we were talking about that. And when I resigned, yeah. uh, and, uh, and literally um, I had these publishing companies hit me up right after. And I was like thinking about it. I let my agent research a few. And, and, uh and I found Lynn and she was, she's been great so far. She got that thing printed so fast. And you were telling me how sometimes it's a process and, you even recommend to self-write one and self-publish it, and I was, that was the route I was probably going to do. And, and then uh, with all these things happening, I think she was the perfect fit. She got this thing done, man, and, and got it out on all platforms so fast. I mean, she did a hell of a job for me, and so it um, allows me now to even write a second book, you know what I mean? So Yeah, uh, so how how'd you
0: get started with the writing on this one? You know what? I started just at the house in Kansas. Why?
1: Uh, as I resigned, um, I started writing the book, man, on just straight – writing it down on word document man and started getting it going and started putting it together little by little and then i moved back out here to cali and uh and i finished it man i had it done in may and it was done and and probably end of may and she got it done and published and and printed by july 3rd so um it's
0: it's a trip when you get your first copy of your first book in your hands yeah i remember you seeing a video you shot that you sent me like yeah, it's live, it's here, yeah, people yeah. can go out and order it. What's your favorite memory related to the project?
1: Uh, there was so you many. look man.
0: back on cranking that thing out?
1: Yeah, there was so many. You know, I was kind of, you know, when I did it unorthodox. You know, people are, she even wanted me to do it differently a little bit as far as chronologically. And I said, you know, that's not me. I kind of had the ebb and flow of it. It was a little bit up and down and you got to really read it. And I, I didn't want it too long either. Obviously, you can read it in a day and I thought it would, my my fan base would probably hold their attention a little better as far as being a quicker read uh right to the point and so um you know the you know writing the the indies last chance and trying to put those chapter names together uh just kind of things that i used and people my fans knew what i used word wise i think i tried to name chapters those kind of use chapter names uh relative uh and I thought it – I thought that was fun part. And then, um, you know, finding those old pictures and finding those things to put in there and let people know, uh, you know, what we, what we had gone through and stuff. Uh, but it, it was fun, man, trying to get it, um, you know, proofread five times by all these people and uh, they sent, <laughs> yeah, they sent me the copies of it. And, you know, they were good, man. They didn't want to change too much because, like you said in the beginning, the first thing you told me was, you know, keep you wanted it in your voice. And so yeah. – um, I think it comes out in my voice, I I think. And I think people have said that. So, um, you know. Very
0: conversational. It's a lot like what you're listening to right now as you listen to this. Yeah. Um, You know, what I think is really fascinating with the project is, uh, and it's an opportunity for you to really show and showcase who you really are. Because, you know, you look at, like, let's take a book that got made into a movie. Yeah, And the book is always different than the movie, and they take all this creative license, and the book's usually better than the movie, almost always. Well, this is kind of like, this all happened kind of in reverse. Yeah, There was the quote movie or the Netflix series, and then there was the book. So there are all these misconceptions about you, and you're misunderstood as a result of the cameras and, and just showing, like, the drama of reality tv which isn't always reality but then people get to see a very different more real you know the authentic side of you which is the fascinating part of the book for me and that's why i say like you're so misunderstood and some of that is great because you need haters to achieve anything. you got to have haters i actually welcome haters i hope people think this interview sucks and they bash me for it because then on the other side they're going to be twice as many people who love it but uh, I think it's an opportunity for people to get to know the real Jason Brown much better and uh, turn some of those haters around to admirers, I think, will happen as a result of the book. And uh, it just gets it gives people a holistic view of you and who you are and what you're about that they could never get in a Netflix series. And they're going to go watch it on the 19th when mm-hmm. season four airs, and they're going to see a completely different side of you yeah. and – they, they ought to read the book in parallel to watching yeah. and binge-watching yeah. season four to, yeah. to get a more accurate picture in my humble but highly accurate opinion.
1: Yeah, no question. I appreciate it. I You know, that's why we dropped the book two weeks before the show. Um, yep. And, and then uh, trying to get it that way, and then, uh, you know, the show comes out. But, you know, you're going to have your haters like you know, the, the thing is, uh, Bru, I, I, I got a, uh, about 30,000 emails within 24 hours on my computer at, um, at the office when uh, this thing dropped last year. Um, and uh, out of those, no crap. What I did was I deviated them up, split them up amongst the staff. They were either players or just fan mail, and it was crazy. Well, in all honesty, probably there's been five hate emails. And yeah. I've never had a person in, in person talk crap so um but you know five emails out of those five two of them kind of rescinded the email about after they watched from season four on, or episode four on on the show and was like oh i get you now i apologize for the email and duh, 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 duh. so you know i respect you for that i mean if you if so, if you want to but they're so quick to judge nowadays these people and these these uh, you know whatever you want to call it the millennials or whatever they are they they they're so quick to judge you, man, because of uh, a few things they see. But they don't know you, man. They don't know anything. They don't know that my yeah. kid sister got killed and brother got killed and I didn't let them go home and I kept them there and they knew that I was their uh, – we were their family. They, th- these kids – and this has happened through my coaching career, but these guys don't see all that. They don't know that. So, yeah. you know, go find a kid bashing me on Twitter. You ain't going to find it.
0: Yeah. I've always said the thing with haters is, you know, people will talk shit about you online, but then mm-hmm. if you ever ran into them and just passed one of those people on the street, oh, yeah. they will be the first person to stop you, ask for a picture, get a yeah. selfie with you and ask for an autograph. No doubt. Nine times by ten, You know, that's how it yeah. plays out.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Gladiators oh. have uh, you know, false courage, <laughs> but uh, what, uh, what's the best way that people can connect with you now?
1: um you know reach i got a website you
0: reach out yeah. to you
1: yeah you know twitter the real coach jb is, is a, at my twitter but uh i'm on instagram and all that stuff too man but the, you know i got a website too i'm setting up speaking engagements and uh i'm gonna go on tour um to, to high schools and different things but um you know um the the website's www.therealcoachjb.com and uh you know, that's a, that's a good website. It's got a lot of good information on it. Plus, you know, uh, the books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's on Kindle now. Um,
0: awesome.
1: so for the ebook readers, but you know, it's, uh, so you can reach me there and then, uh, my email's on the website and people can email me and, and all those things. So, uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm not hiding. I'm not running. I'm right here and, no. people see me and see me. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty. I think I've always, I always told people when I was growing up, man, I said, if I ever made it, man, I'm I'm never going to hide and run from my fans. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that's the, that's the lost uh, art in this thing. I think people get there and um, I've even coached some of them, man. In in the NFL, I got guys that used to live on my couch and now you can't talk to them for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, Don't ever lose where you came from or who you are, you know,
0: what, uh, what's next for you? You know what? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know do if you, I want to you coach. you to coach again? Or you...
1: I don't know. I'm not. I'm not fiending for it right now. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'm uh, what the kids need anymore. Um, I know. I don't know if that's what I probably they don't want me, but they they need me, but they don't know that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's what um, I'm here to do anymore, man. I think uh, I can do some other things, maybe clinic mentor, uh, you know, host camps, do different things like that. Uh, see what this book does. It's going a little tour of that and uh
0: teach people how to recruit.
1: Yeah, yeah I know.
0: I know, <laughs> I know. Uh
1: yeah. I know. I can do all that type of stuff, man. But you know, I just don't nope. know if coaching's in the in the play. I don't know now. I don't know if that's for me anymore. Uh we'll see how it goes. You know, I might get the fever yep. again, but never know.
0: What uh so here's my last question for you, JB. Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Uh
1: Nah you know I, don't, I think you did all right man i just, i just uh I sold the house in Kansas, obviously, I just bought a brand new house from scratch here and back in California. um Now it's time to figure out the next move um but nah i mean it's it's a uh, it's been a good ride, and uh you know um you know, I got the show they sent me the show early um I, I didn't watch last year's, and I haven't watched this one all the way, but you know, I have people watch it um yeah, and so you know there's going to be that comparison obviously. Um, sure. and, you know, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm sure it's still be one of the most watched shows on Netflix. I'm sure. But
0: oh, no you know, doubt.
1: Yeah. You know how it is, but now nah, man, you did a good job, man. I, you know, it's just, uh, I'm just a regular Joe man sitting here and, uh, there's a squirrel trying to get a nut.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I want to encourage everybody to go to the realcoachjb.com. uh, connect with coach on his website, uh, follow him on his socials. But most importantly, I think, Read the book, you get to see a different side of him in his book, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later. And it's the perfect title. You know, I think, uh, just on a personal note, JB, the thing I respect and admire most about you uh, is I think we care too much what other people think about our lives. And, you know, it's an epidemic for most people, worry about what we say, what we wear, who we're friendly with, you know, uh, and, and just how we act. Uh, trying to be like others, yeah. and you don't worry about that. You don't act. You just do what you need to do. You are who you are. You're unapologetic about it. It might piss people off. You don't care, uh, but you're doing it for the right reasons. That's why people listen. That's why people respond. Even the haters respond to that. So I think that's good advice for anybody to to follow: is be unapologetically authentic.
1: No doubt. Yeah, no and, doubt. I appreciate. You so I appreciate that more than you know. I uh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, hey, Screw what they think, man. You, you don't have haters, man. You ain't doing something. <laughs> exactly. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to The Coach Brew Show. If you're not currently subscribed to the podcast, sign up now on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And for more information to turn your potential into performance, head on over to CoachBrew.com now.